Khan has come back to Rocco Public Radio. That's right. After missing a week due to the flu running buckshot through my house, and then another couple delay beyond that when it hit Keegan's house, your favorite casual X-Men chat show is back for its 29th episode, covering everything from both March 1st and March 8th in Marvel's Mutants. I know you likely don't remember, but I'm the one known as Rod, and this is the Eddie Brock to my Flash Thompson, my one and only co-mega mutant, and the most patient person I know, Keegan! <laughs> How are you, hey. hey, you know, uh, doing good, you know, uh, just getting through on the mend for both of us, but we made it. And you are on your spring break, right? Yes, I am officially on That's, spring break. You are one lucky man. We don't get it for a few more weeks. And I think I told you, my kid and my wife have it on separate weeks, so. Oh, which, you know, It's just like so the Christmas good. thing all over again, yeah. <laughs> all right, this week, we're going to be talking about X-Force number 38. Rogue and Gambit number one, those are from March 1st. And then from this week, we're talking Nightcrawlers number two, X-Men number 20, uh, X-23 Deadly Regenesis number one, and New Mutants Lethal Legion number one, because we've got to go with these crazy long titles. And then, if somehow we have any air left in our lungs, we're going around the Marvel Universe for Scarlet Witch number three, and believe it or not, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 10, of all things. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess at the end of the day, if we're going to have a week that we have to double up, we got to double up on a two-book week with a normal-sized yeah. week. Well, yeah, kind of a kind of a dud of a two-book week. We talked about it kind when we were getting ready to record the last week, that yeah. it felt like Marvel put their fifth week in the first week this month. There, there's, <laughs> there was some rough, yeah, rough waters was, there. <laughs> uh, before we jump into last week's books... Yeah, I do, I do want to know if you made the connection that of the four books this week, we had three starring a version of Laura Kenny, and each one was a different character somehow. You know what? That's a good point. Wow. I think that's really interesting and something that's probably never happened before. That like, it's literally three books starring her, but all each one is technically a different individual right it's yeah <laughs> wow because yeah oh my god <laughs> what makes me what makes me bummed is if 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 it would happened one month later with x-force 39 we would have had four tech well depending on if you count the one being in the past as a separate mm. person but we would have had four different iterations of the character because she's joining x-force 39 speaking of want to jump into x-force 38 let's do it great by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Robert Gill. It opens with Domino, Deadpool, and Omega Red fighting the Attack on Titan monsters that are guarding Gen Genosha. I still have a nasal drip going, so we're going to forgive pronunciation. Yes. There's quip, quip, punch, quip, quip, stab, and they're in the dungeons where the gene engineer kept his clone kids in last issue's flashbacks, so there's lots of skeletons laying around. Uh, Peacock Mask. He does this evil monologue while searching his evil lair for Max, that psychic boy that he that he used, but then betrayed him at the end of last issue. He finds him and injects him with a mysterious needle. Domino, Deadpool, and Omega Red hack the Xeno database and discover their that their plans have been to clone people in power across the world and replace them with compliant mutant-hating uh, duplicates, and that there are tons of them already out there. They also discover the Omni-Mutant, which is a Frankenstein amalgamation clone with parts of each member of X-Force. So it's got like the half-beast face and got one arm and stuff. Yeah. 
the man with the peacock tattoo is preparing to dissect Max when he's interrupted by the commotion of X-Force fighting with the Omni-Mutant. Beast, analyzing the situation from Krakoa, discovers a weakness in all the clones. They all have Kid Omega's personality threaded into them to help him control their sense of loyalty. Max takes psychic control of the Omni-Mutant and is going to have, have it kill the Peacock Man until Domino steps in and tells him that he shouldn't sit on his conscience. Uh, so she'll do it. We get a data page of Beast arguing that they should use the psychic signal to just kill all of the clones in one fell swoop, but Sage overrides him, thankfully. Domino unmasks the Genegineer clone and is horrified by his scars, realizing that he's a victim too in all of this. She, she can't bring it to, to, to kill him. So she just leaves and leaves him for his experiments to do with as they please. Max goes home with X-Force while they blow up the Genosian base. I know Rod starts every Percy episode with a Percy-related rant, but I'm going to start this episode with a Percy-related rant. So it's by design, by his choice, that he does not really tie his books with the greater Krakoan books. He likes he likes to be kind of the black sheep of the X office. He likes his books to stand on their own to be kind of a side thing, right? Yes, because the CIA has nothing to do with the country that it's in. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Completely separate world. I don't understand why he does that and then explores the exact same threads and plots, but like in a less interesting way. Mm -hmm. Because everything leading up to Sins of Sinister... Uh, and obviously now, like, that entire alternate future is built on Mr. Sinister's genetic tampering and chimeras, right? Like, that's that's the entire premise of this future. Yeah. So his plan for a, I'm going to do something completely different, completely unrelated, is to do a now 23, 24-issue long, like, running story about an evil guy manipulating genes and creating a chimera of just the team and then and then this kid omega like psychic signature through them all thing that's the exact same beat as the nightcrawler like dna being what allows the nightkin to defeat sinister's control you know what i mean mm -hmm. like I, I don't understand the point of being we're gonna be different we're gonna be unique but we're also gonna be exactly the same story yeah it and you know i didn't I didn't hate this issue the way I normally hate Benjamin Percy issues. Because sure, it finally moved things forward, right? Like, yeah. Like, you know, like, I feel like I've been saying that too. Like, I wish something would just happen. I wish that we could move on. And we're finally moving on. And I was like, all right, great. I'm so glad that we're moving on. Um, but yeah, really what it is, is it's like, hey, let's do all of these Sins of Sinister ideas. Do them less well, less creatively. And, and without, less fun without the collaboration <laughs> without the collaboration um so it fell a little flat and i think also like just on a personal judgment like you can't show me all of these really cool really cool chimeras over in sins of sinister and then just have it look like you made a build a figure with different parts that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like when they, what is that called? Kit bashing? It looks like a yeah. really poorly done kit bash of all the Marvel Legends figures. That's what yeah. it looks like. <laughs> okay, and I feel you on the, this one was better because it finally actually moved the plot forward. But yeah. also, doesn't this feel like a really fast, really lazy wrap up for something that's been seeded for four years? It does. And honestly, like, at this point, I'm not even going to complain about it. I'm just like, thank God. <laughs> That's but, fair, but I, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around, we were told all along, like, oh, be ready for the ride. And when I was first coming back into comics, that was like right when Twitter was doing the big 
who is the man with the peacock tattoo was like a big meme in X X Men Twitter, and like there was all these broad speculations and stuff. He's just dead now. We just wrapped it up and <laughs> moving on, guys. Like this is yeah, so weird. And, and like such such a such an ineffective end. Just like, well, I can't do it, so I'll let your 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 experiments do it. But we're also just gonna blow up the whole fucking island. <laughs> right, right. So we're gonna give the experiments that gift, but then we're also going to genocide that. Which we're gonna get into some issues with genocide later. But but that's the first first of this episode where we get to complain about the X-Men suddenly being pro-genocide. Those experiments didn't all deserve to be blown up. Some of them probably had a conscience once they yeah. were free to the psychic manipulation. Give the issue some credit. I'm, I'm glad to finally see Domino get some, I don't know, peace of mind might be the word. Yeah, some sort of like closure or peace of mind or something. Do- a, a, something. <laughs> a lot of this run has just been tearing her down so it was nice to see her get some closure it looks like maybe she's gonna take a maternal role with max or we'll never see max again who knows with the way percy writes but very true uh yeah i mean could be worse of an issue it was fun for the most part i i i didn't like i had a little bit of fun reading it (laughs) i really like the use of omega red and i would love to see him get used more going forward a little afraid Percy's going to more or less sweep him under the rug now that he gets uh, Laura and Colossus added to his toy box. I could see someone's going to have to get less focus, and I'm a little afraid it's going to be him. Yeah, I could see that too. I was I was living for it. I was loving, I mean, listen, I was loving so much what they were doing with Omega Red that I was like, put him in the X-Vote. So. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. He would have been a cool addition for the X-Vote. Yeah beast hardly in the issue but they still find time to be sure to <laughs> let us know hey he is a monster still he's, he, he's a monster i like that after sage reminds him that well just because they were mind controlled clones like they still have individuality he's still full bore on team let's just eh, get rid of him yeah <laughs> bye bye he's even hoping... oh oh timeline yeah timeline yeah. Where does this take place in relation to Wolverine in relation to everything else going on? Because right. Beast is dead in Wolverine right now. Right. I think if you had your corner of the universe that was just two books that had nothing to do with the rest of continuity, you'd at least make sure like the pacing of your two books made sense. Well, you know, since apparently Beast is not only his favorite character to assassinate, but also make in unreasonably powerful yeah um maybe he already is back online with that new one has all of his stuff in and he's just like let's let's go i didn't miss a beat he got his newest slap all the wrist after <laughs> yeah you guys don't get to come to the the oscar watch party in the tree yeah house. yeah that's a great one yeah <laughs> that's it beast you don't get to join us for popcorn and uh, yeah. ranting about how everything everywhere all at once deserves every oscar exactly Speaking just, of, I'm very glad. I, I don't actually watch awards shows, but seeing yeah. that it got, what was it, nine awards? Yeah, great I mean, news. That was it got best movie. pick. Kihi Kwan got his due. Michelle Yeoh got her due. I was happy about it. Um, yeah, I mean, even, so, one thing I was kind of hoping they would touch on as a possibility is as they were showing all these different heads of state being, like, anti-mutant clones. Yeah. Um. I was like, yo, are they going to do some sort of reveal where like Beast actually comes from this program too now? 
like the version of Beast that we have. But, you know yeah. what's up so upsetting? The ideas that Percy has have like just just a slight shift and they'd be really fun, really good ideas. Yeah. Thus where the collaboration thing comes in. Like imagine if Percy did bounce his ideas through the Al Ewing, Kieran Gillen, Cy Spurrier brain trust and get yeah. them just tweaked enough, get the like feedback to make them exciting. Because hell yeah, that would have been a great way to tie together all of these disparate dumb plots into yeah. one super plot. It, oh, it would have it would have retroactively made a lot of other things better. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and there's so much they could have done with that. You, they yeah. could have the uh, Brousseau guy, the which we're gonna talk about later, but the 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 Britain British Prime Minister that's mm-hmm. like super anti mutant. Could have tied in him in somehow. There's a lot you could have done, but did they? Nope. No. First, he's on his own. Like you said, the CIA has nothing to do with the rest of the events <laughs> in the country. <laughs> All right, Rogan Gambit. Rogan Gambit. Rogan Gambit, number one, written by Stephanie Phillips, drawn by Carlos Gomez, opens in New Orleans with Gambit drunk brawling some ninjas in an alley. Rogue shows up and lectures him while beating the ninjas. Then he throws up and she gets mad. We see a flashback to three days ago when Lady Deathstrike has been broken out of a prison transport truck by an unseen assailant. And then a data page of Rogue and Gambit's text leading up to him getting drunk and fighting the ninjas. In their hotel room, Rogue lectures Gambit again before Destiny shows up and calls him a joke. Rogue doesn't stand up to mom at all while she does the mother-in-law from hell shtick. And then she recruits them to find and bring her manifold. In her words, she can't trust anyone else to do it. She berates Gambit some more and then asks Rogue to have blind trust in her. Destiny explains she knows where he is, but he might be hard to convince after Abigail Brand's antics in X-Men Red has him disenchanted with all of Krillin's society. They approach him at an abandoned Stark lab where he laughs at them for even trying to get his help. He reveals he's already working on a job anyways. A long list of supervillains have gone missing, mostly from prisons and government facilities, and he's tracked a connection uh, to Ruben Brousseau, that British scoundrel, uh, Rogue suggests she and Gambit help him, and in return, he'll help them after. Though Manfold suggests he still won't help, even if they tag along. They go to a handoff between the kidnappers and Brousseau, uh, and our trio attack, but the kidnappers somehow get the upper hand and seemingly capture and take control of Manifold with a mind control chip. Okay, so the entire internet is up in arms over Destiny being so mean to Gambit, but I'm gonna mm-hmm. go out on a limb here and say, uh, Dude deserves it. Dude is a piece of shit. <laughs> I Remy, know you... <laughs> Remy, 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 Remy is so many levels below Rogue. She could definitely do better. He's a drunken mess. And I wouldn't want trash like that to father my grandchildren. So I would 100% get where she's coming from. Fuck <laughs> that dude. Oh, shit. I was not expect. I know you don't like Gambit, but I wasn't expecting the uh, Gambit the can go die in a fire. <laughs> wow, really? Uh, okay, <laughs> I really don't like Gambit. I I think he's one of the most annoying characters they've got. But I'm mostly kidding because uh, I don't understand like how they characterize these characters. Why is That's... Rogue so hostile suddenly? Like, I feel like this yeah. is just a Krakoan era thing. She is super hostile to the love of her life. Uh, and it's it's a weird running joke. Uh, I also don't get the, like, humor of the abusive mother-in-law stuff. Like, I... why, why does Rogue just stand by while she does it? Yeah, that's, it's like... <laughs> it's like some Everybody Loves Raymond type stuff. <laughs> like... Yeah! Uh, but also, even if they 
had to go there, wouldn't Mystique make more sense? Like, she actually has a relationship history with Gambit. Destiny right. was dead for like 90% of their relationship. So she just shows up and has this like visceral hatred for him that I don't think is earned in any way. Like, I mean, he earns the hate because he's a piece of shit and everyone should hate him. But the actual like in universe stuff makes no sense to me. Right. I, yeah. I like the issue. It, I know I, I opened was... I opened with my rage. I thought it was okay. I get like I, I, I don't understand the love of it. There were some parts of the internet that like really loved the issue, but yeah. it was okay. I, I thought it was fine. You know, like I I uh I'm not writing home about it by any means. I mean I'm gonna get nitpicky again. Yeah. I, I don't understand the timeline here either. No. So they, they make it really clear this is after the most recent X-Men Red story where Abigail Brand revealed as the evil mastermind and he's on Cape, uh, Cable's like sword team and they go. But then Juggernaut is on the list of villains. Mm-hmm. He spent all that time in Legion. Maybe this is supposed to take place like after Sins of Sinister and they're already reverting his character back to status quo. But that's a really quick regression if we're not going to see how that happens because Juggernaut's basic, basically a hero right now, as far yeah. as we know. Uh, he also would have no reason to be on Earth getting captured because he's hanging out with the Legion on Mars, or, or the namesake of the show, Rocco. but I, I'm very confused. Yeah, I have really no idea when this is supposed to take place. I've do they know, or is it just like at some point after this, but before Krakoa gets destroyed? So I really like Stephanie Phillips. I I would imagine she would at least be checking in on where they want to place them on the timeline. That said, she is spread really thin right now because she's yeah. she this week alone she put out like three books because she's wrapping up her Harley Quinn while launching Cosmic Ghost Rider and this mini, and so. I'll be honest, I'm not really sure. And and honestly, like, I don't even necessarily mean it as a, like, does the writer not even know when it takes place? And more of a just, like, does anyone know? Like, was this just supposed to be a, this takes place at some point between point A and point B, and no one cares where it actually is. It's just some point in this era. Well, we need to talk a little about, I mean, it's as good a place as any. We're really in a filler era right now for the x-men where clearly they had a bunch of books wrapped that were the the destiny of x era and Mm -hmm. we're treading water before we can launch the uh fall of x era and so we're getting stuff like uh bishop war college the uh captain britain mini what's the name of it the betsy braddock whatever it's called this mini the new mutants mini slash continuation that's a good point. Uh, there is a lot of five-issue minis that are all launching right around now that are basically them admitting they have to tread water while they wrap up Synth of Sinister and before they can launch the Fall of Axe. And, uh, yeah, it feels a little disorganized at this point. I'm excited for a lot of them. A lot of them have really cool premises. The timeline here makes zero sense to me. Yeah, it, I mean, okay, look, here's the thing. <laughs> this issue was fine. It was fun enough. Um, but like, I don't particularly care about this relationship. I just don't. I never have. And here's the thing. I personally like Gambit. I do. Whoa! You I think figure that piece of... 
Do you at least like beat him up with other characters? No. <laughs> I love Gambit actually. Like he's not my favorite mutant by any means, but I like him quite a bit. Um, but like, yo, you might have Gambit, but do you have Painmaker Jericho? Because oh, get out of get out of here, get out of here. It's all about that cowboy shit. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but like I, I love I, I like Gambit quite a bit. I like Rogue, but like the two of them together, I just don't care. <laughs> Kevin Owens. Okay. Ah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, you know, I don't know. It's just I guess I'm not the demo for this book. It's hard for me because I feel like I am sort of the demo in that I like I really like the like more lighthearted relationship based uh, minis. Oh, I really sure. like Stephanie Phillips writing. I I don't like Gambit as a character, but I I do really like Rogue. I some of my Gambit hate is a meme at this point. Like I I feel like <laughs> a, a really well written Gambit series I would be into. Yeah, but the the you you put it really well. The everybody loves Raymond quality of it <laughs> makes it really hard to get into this issue when half of the issue is literally just either rogue calling him out for being a piece of shit or destiny coming in and calling him out for being a piece of shit and it's just like i get enough of that when i would turn on a sitcom i don't need to just see like oh yeah the crappy husband be crappy again. although i will say i will say i don't know if if your girlfriend or wife are they married i don't know if your significant other is a superhero and she's a little late for dinner that doesn't seem like an excuse to get shit face drunk I kind of am on her side there. Like, it's a little different than if you were straight up stood up. Yeah. She, she was probably out superhero. You can usually assume, oh, if they're not here, they're superheroing. But. Well, now, how, okay, not to be a Gambit defender, how late was she, though? Wasn't it, like, significant? Probably. But again, again, <laughs> if, if you have a problem with drinking, like, have a glass of wine. You don't need to get shit-faced. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Gambit uh, just likes to party. <laughs> all right, the other the other beef I have is is again very similar to my X Force beef. Actually, it's maybe good we didn't get to do an episode last week because I would have just sounded like a broken record. But, uh, no, that's Owen. <laughs> uh, go watch uh, Bag of Picks if you want to hear us talk about non X Men stuff. <laughs> Power dampening weapons and mind control. They're both so super saturated at this point. Like, why yeah. are all X Men stories right now either chimeras, power dampening weapons, mind control, or a combo of those three? Yeah, because the power dampening—that's also over in War College right now. Oh, I'm really curious to see what War College Two next week looks like. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't be speculating on next week books, but we still haven't even got to this week's <laughs> books. Uh, well, hey, that's enough for Rogue and Gambit for me. All right, moving on to this week's stuff. No, moving on. All right, R.I.P. March first, Archie. Nightcrawlers, that's not out of the way. I love Nightcrawlers. Nightcrawlers are the masterpiece. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Oh yeah. Written by Sice Brayer, drawn by Andrea Devito. We are a hundred years into the Sins of Sinister timeline, and things are heating up. The Nightkin, the Nightcrawler-based Chimera, have continued to build a full-on religion around Mother Righteous and the Spark gathering equipment for her to complete the reliquary perilous and reach the moira chamber their three laws are blessed be the night gene blessed be the reliquary perilous and blessed be the spark 
replacing the three laws of Krakoa. Wagnerine, the Wolverine, uh, Laura, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler mix that was a star of the first Nightcrawler issue, or one of the stars, narrates this issue and catches us up on what the Cinderized Quiet Council have been up to over the decades. Now they're referred to as the Council in Sin, which I love that nomenclature. That's such a good name. Uh, and the various items they've been able to steal. We see the secure Mjolnir from the still-surviving but displaced Asgard from uh, Magic in Sin's fake assault in year nine. Uh, we thought she had destroyed it, but if you read that carefully, I guess it just said she uh, like kicked it. Up, you know. So the implication was apparently it's just unreachable, and they found a way to reach it. Thor tries to stop them, so they just cut off his arms to make him drop <laughs> it. Uh, a chimera of Nightcrawler and Lost is able to move Mjolnir not by lifting it, but by using her gravity-altering powers to def- redefine where down is so that Mjolnir just goes wherever she wants it to. Uh, at the Narthex, which is now a spaceship, so his house apparently just took off, which is awesome. Uh, Vox Ignis find the Nightkin mourning the loss of Summer Knight, a Cyclops Nightcrawler Chimera, who we find out was Wagnerine's lover. They miraculously had a baby, but it literally bamfed as soon as it was born and was lost forever. Night Summer sank into an inescapable depression because not only had he lost his child, but Mother Righteous had made a had reformed the the spark around the idea that this baby was a Christ-like figure in their religion. And thus he wasn't only uh, allowed, not really allowed to mourn, but he was expected to celebrate the great tragedy of it disappearing. Anti-Fortune helps sends his body to the force field around the Moira chamber, which we see is now surrounded by floating bones. So the very end of issue one, we saw uh, Wallcrawler established this new tradition, and clearly for 90 plus years they've been busy with it because there are a ton of bones. Voxignus and Wagnerine discuss the issue they face. Sinister has stopped making new Nightcrawler based Chimera, so their ranks are dwindling. Wagnerine presses Voxignus about Mother Righteous. Her faith is shaken, and so Vox tells the story about when Mother Righteous visited Legion, trying to get him to join the cause, but he instead abandoned the world to protect his people, implied to be still hiding in the altar. Basically, Vox's argument is like, we don't know that we can trust her, but there's no one else. Like, everyone else has abandoned us, so we gotta trust her, which I guess a solid argument. Vox and Wagnerine take Mother Righteous a plan to create more Nightkin, and she gives them her blessing to return to the X-Mansion. They retrieve Dr. Nemesis and the feral original Nightcrawler, ostensibly to breed new Nightkin, but in reality, Wagnerine only wanted to go get Kurt so he would attack Mother Righteous, and he does. Oh man, he is pissed at her for warping what the spark meant. Uh, She does manage to defeat him, though, using the the same hope sword that he produced in the finale of Legion of X, so he dies by his own uh, mystical sword. And in the end, Wagnerine finds out that the baby is not only alive, but that Mother Righteous has hidden her away. So, uh, you know, for a couple weeks, basically all along, I've been like, what if Mother Righteous is actually the good guy? I think that that ship has sailed. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. Oh my god! I can't imagine a hundred years building this family and literally the first child born into it just... Oh. Doubly so. Doubly so. Of course, a sinister thinks a Summer's child is a, like, 
plaything that she can use as she wants. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like the the only option for the dad was to use uh, Scott Summers as the the other half of it, and that was such a good move. Oh yeah, I love that. Like, as just everything setting up. All right, Chimera Watch. Chimera Watch. I'm I'm loving this segment. Uh, the Megan Maggot Madrix combo that we see in the the like really yeah. cool. So sidestepping Chimera Watch for a second, the first few pages of Lore Drop of like basically the recap of what happened for ninety years was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like those what. So this whole issue is my favorite issue of Sense of Sinister so far, but those few pages were some of the most brilliant, like, quick recap, like, boom, 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 that I'd seen in a long time. Basically, we saw the fall of multiple galactic uh, empires at the hands of the X-Men, and, like, seeing what they could do unhinged is so much fun. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it's just, it's very cool to see these ideas, like, these characters off a leash, so to speak. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, back to Chimera Watch. Based off that, though, th- there's a Megan-Maggot multiple-man combo that is one of the coolest. We talk every week about how both Spurrier and Al Ewing are coming up with just, like, grotesque combos. One of my favorite yet. It was horrifyingly effed up. <laughs> uh, but then also, we got Night Summer. We got the lost, uh, the lost Nightcrawler combo, which was a really cool one. Like that is a really cool premise, feeling gravity so that it confuses Mjolnir. I loved it. I loved it so much. Uh, we got, yeah. we got the old version of Anti Fortune. So she's survived at least ninety years. Uh, and then I think that's it for New Chimera. Getting to see Wagnerine continue to be awesome was really fun. I I love that character. Like I said, we this week got three different Laura Kennys in three different books. I know you can only bring so much back to the real world after you end a like future timeline, but I hope we get more Wagnerine at some point at least. I'm really loving Wagnerine. I would love Wagnerine to continue to exist. Like even if we just get like nostalgic follow-ups in five years where they revisit, like, oh, what's going on in the Sins of Sinister alternate world now? Is we get that every few years we get a revisit to the age of apocalypse world you know what i mean like we get yeah. like weird minis that are just like oh what's going on there now i i will i will read all of the wagnerine that i can she's great i really i think it's really old how deep they're getting with the religious metaphor here and like giving like a literal christ figure and at one point they explain that within the spark nightcrawler is the father and mother righteous is the mother like to build an entire religion around these ideas and uh have it parallel some of the religions that are abused in bad faith in the real world to do very bad acts of of war and Mm -hmm. have kurt even in his feral state able to call it out briefly before dying i just this is such a cool issue like i said it's oh, my yeah. favorite since the century i don't know where it ranks for you with the the three year 10 books but i think it's the number one for me too i i love it so there's so much i love about it first of all absolutely the religion aspect i think it's very interesting uh the way mother righteous you know chose to essentially ape not only you know his religion that he created for the yeah. mutants but also take elements of the religion that he essentially left behind that he held so dear for his entire life before that. 
yeah. and bastardized the both of them into her own thing. Like, wow. Um, also, I love I love when made up terms are just cool as hell. So like counsel and sin, uh, reliquary perilous is just oh I love that. <laughs> well, this 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 issue dropped so many good like labels and nomenclature for the things that we were just like as a fan base making up names for. Yeah, because yeah the the dash in sin for all of the sinisterized council is such a great way to distinguish them. And mm-hmm. I think what's what's also really cool about it is those will hold up to the test of time. Like when we're referring back to this event in five years or whatever, you'll be able to say like Xavier in sin and people will know who you're talking about. Like it does, it gives a clear, easy to remember distinction for like how, how these guys are different without having to be like the sins of sinister version of or whatever. I, I yeah. love it. So good. It's also it's a good name to put on a box of a Marvel Legends figure. How many of those do you think we're gonna get? Man, well, I'll tell you what, if we don't get a Wagnerine, I'm gonna riot. <laughs> I I would love, and I don't know, I, I don't know enough about the Marvel Legends production like yeah. speed, and I know they do a lot more MCU synergy than anything else. They could do an entire line of the Chimera. They could do uh and have like Vox Ignis or something as the Build-A-Figure, or have Mother yeah. Righteous as the Build-A-Figure, and I would buy the whole line. I oh, yeah. I don't buy that many figures. I usually only grab, like, clearance toys. But yeah, I'm in love with Sins of Sinister enough. I would set aside, I'd find a way to get the entire Sins of Sinister line if they did one. I agree. I would love to see it. I mean, because, you know, they did a House of X, Powers of X line, uh, which is, I have a few from that, working on my Theta Sentinel uh, Build-A-Figure. Did they do a full house house power line? Uh, it's like figures? it's six. Uh, so my Magneto Wait, that's is from the figure line. Then that's yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I have Omega Sentinel. I have Magneto, and I have Chuck with the the Cerebro helmet standing oh, and all that. And there's a few more. Uh, Marvel Girl is in it. Cyclops is in it. Uh, Logan's in it. But, you know, the Build-A-Figure is actually the Theta Sentinel, which I'm stoked on. Oh, okay. Because so far, this is where I'm at with the Theta Sentinel. <laughs> so, uh, that would be a couple-year-old line by this point, probably, right? Yeah, so, it's a couple years old. So, not to sidetrack us completely, but are you paying aftermarket, like, crazy prices at this point? Or are they so, not that hard to get? Not that hard to get. Some of them are more expensive than others, but I want to say, like... I know a couple of these, my friends got me off my wish list on Amazon, but like, uh, Magneto was no more than 30. Okay. That's not bad at all. That's not an insane markup. It would be really cool if they did that and like had, like you said, Mother Righteous as the Build-A-Figure. Or, I mean, there's a, there's a handful of characters that really, uh, I know sometimes they do like the, the more beast. So you you could have the, the feral version of Nightcrawler as the Build-A-Figure. That would be good. Because you can't, like, I was originally going to say you could do a line of just, like, you could have Righteous and uh, uh, Stasis and, but really, all Stasis is is, is a swap out of the, the logo. Mm-hmm. Orbis Stellaris is his, like, but really, Mother Righteous is the big, like, you'd have, yeah. they, they need to do a figure of her eventually, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the, the short Legion scene we got, and, mm-hmm. like, uh, I, I do think there is some planting of a seed there when they, like, he just says to protect my people, but I could see sometime in the next 
900 years that coming into play that he's got that he's got a sanctuary where he's keeping people safe i, I also uh, i do love the parallel of like him calling it my people the way chuck calls the krakoans his people you know that whole thing that was a really cool touch i did really like that uh and just seeing him that disillusion i'm really okay so this is going to get into a theory i have about where mother righteous's plan is going but I'm yeah. really curious to see who will remember what from the future because yeah. some of this stuff does seem like they're setting up. Like, like I feel like Legion's apathy is something he like post reset him is going to have to deal with. So I'm I am curious if there's going to be something that happens that lets a large percentage of people remember this world. But uh, my theory, I think Mother Righteous is playing a long game. And I think the uh, reliquary, I, why, why am I having so much trouble pronouncing that word? I think it's my nasal drip. But uh, <laughs> I think she knows that a reset is coming eventually for the timeline. And I don't think the reliquary is necessarily to break through the barrier. I think it is somehow either a tool for her to use post-reset or it's a tool to help her remember or retain mm. other things she gains during this post reset i think she's playing a long con and to her this is all a game because my god she's burning every bridge possible so like her plans can't have that much to do with with what's actually happening in this future so i i think the reliquary has more significance than just being a tool to break through a force field i could definitely see that absolutely hope sword uh, coming back into play and being the thing that kills Prime Kurt was poetic and absolutely gut-wrenching for a yeah. last page. Like for all the like, we've seen him just devolving and devolving into dog mode, and for it to all come down to just simply dead, pretty pretty brutal. And then also like launching Prime Kurt into it as well into the yeah. bone field just <sighs> i i had kind of an inkling that he was gonna be involved in the recent like in the climax but apparently not apparently yeah. we're, we're already done with prime kurt would be cool for wagnerine to become a main catalyst of the story because she's got plenty of reason to be mad at this point yeah and it, it's another thing where i I don't think her story gets told in Storm or uh, Immoral very much. So, again, we have to wait a month and wait 900 years to see the next piece of her story. And it's, so, it's something so great about the structure of this this story, but it's also so frustrating that you, I want more. I want, yeah. I, want, I want to know the between the panels. It, it's really interesting. It's a cool setup that I like a lot, but it's also making me want so much more. And maybe... You know, like you said, you know, they go back and they do these in the timeline of uh, arcs and stuff. Absolutely. Maybe, you know, maybe they're leaving a lot of room to play with that as they go. Because I'd read a ton uh, for each of these three books. You know, yeah. for Nightcrawlers, for uh, Storm, and for Immoral, I'd read tons. I'm so curious. And we're probably going to, there's a good chance this week we're going to start getting a fall of X news. Maybe the week we're recording, maybe next yeah. week. I think we're going to have to do a mini. So to discuss whatever this month's X books are that are announced. Cause I think they're going to be pretty huge. Cause we got all of the, like uh, before the fall mini one shots in last month's solicitation. So those all come out in 
June or whatever it is. So I have a feeling that we're going to start seeing the actual summer plans for the following month. And I don't think that can wait for a regular episode. I think that's going to yeah. be a dedicated conversation. Cause I think for the first time since really this is a sinister announcement, we're going to be getting some big X-Men uh, forecasting news, solicitation news. I'm really excited about that, but I want to know what Al Ewing is up to. And I want to know what Cy is up to post this going down. Uh, we know Kieran Gillen is finishing out uh, Immortal X-Men and then probably launching a season two of that. He's, he has said that's heavily implied that's not the end of his story, whether that yeah. means it takes a new name or not. But it sounds like he's going to continue to be the political X-Men side of things. And we know that Al Ewing's has to do with Apocalypse, but I'm so curious to see what it is. Absolutely. I mean, and when they're definitely hopefully going to announce either a second run or an ongoing of Exterminators written by Leah Williams. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and in all of that, I've been thinking a lot about how much I love Jeff Lemire's Old Man Logan when mm. Old Man Logan gets brought in from his world and he replaces our Wolverine and it's just it's a great ongoing uh there's so many characters from this that that could play through I know a lot of people are assuming it's uh Rasputin because so heavily in the promotional stuff even though we've only seen her in one panel so far but you could have that be with the Wagnerine you could bring Wagnerine in to be uh you could bring in really any of the Nightkin it's just there's so much so much you could do with keeping a piece of this timeline going. And I'm really curious to see if they are doing that or if they're going to let it go dormant for a little while and it'll be a while before they do that. I think the love for this arc means we're someday getting more of it, whether it's right away or not. Since the sinister is not this, this alternate future is not going away at the end of year, a thousand forever. We're going to see more of it somewhere. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Another one that I'd love to see brought back in. Uh, we're hopefully going to see more of next week with Storm. Iron Fire. John Iron, Iron Fire. Fire. All right. Iron Fire. I want I want more of Iron Fire so bad. Oh, absolutely. Dude. <laughs> well, especially now that we know he kind of is Storm's protege for a while by the time we get to year 10. Mm-hmm. That implies, even in a reset, that he get involved now in some capacity so absolutely yeah i would love to see that uh so well established is my favorite character of all time x23 deadly regenesis number one written by erica schultz drawn by edgar salazar it takes place in the past during the utopia era x23 is walking around san francisco sees a skyscraper on fire so she climbs the walls and saves a woman in a wheelchair she has flashbacks to her training and early bonding with logan the firefighters are all grateful, but realize they left a man behind. The fire flashes over, so she heads back in. She brings him out. She brings him out okay, but half of her flesh is burned off, so everyone's all excited to call her a hero. Uh, but then she has more sad flashbacks. When a news reporter tries to interview her, she gets mad, but she doesn't kill the feed in time. The facility and her sadistic handler, Kimura, have found her. Uh, maybe a day later, she's... Uh, wandering the streets, and a ninja, lo- a new ninja-looking crony of theirs named Haymaker confronts her in the streets. If you had not told me that this was written by a person named Erica Schultz, do you know who I would have assumed this was? Who would you have assumed it was? I would have assumed this was another one of these stupid Chris Claremont like historical yeah. minis. I honestly got that same vibe. Why can't we just get a story? We literally have two pretty cool versions of Laura Kinney running around. Why is... Sh- 
why are we just getting her relegated to teams and not getting an ongoing of her like now and the interesting state both of her characters they could literally have a book called laura kenny wolverine and have it jump between talon and her and like make it two parallel stories would be a really interesting book and instead we get yet another story about like her discovering what it means to be a hero we've seen this story we've seen the story we've seen it done way better yeah yeah i i uh i don't get it i'm gonna pitch to you right now my fix for what is happening with the family of snicked here what you do first of all you fire benjamin percy he doesn't touch wolverine anymore i don't but... even hear the rest of the plan the rest of the plan <laughs> i'm on board just because of this but what you do is you go the action comics route and you make a book called wolverines plural and each member gets a story every issue i'm on board i i i think because i would i would there, there are now five members i would want it to focus on true because you've, you've got logan you've got fang you've got both lauras because you got regular yeah. laura and you got talon and you got gabby so I, I i love your idea i think you go the action comics route of three stories and you maybe rotate some out arc by arc but i am on board well and you don't need a logan story because we we've gotten multiple logan ongoings that's lately, true so i mean you know you could even you could have you know logan be their master splinter their zordon yeah. you know like just like their guy <laughs> i i really like that idea because I, yeah i want to see gabby i want to see laura getting some solo focus that isn't this yeah I mean, uh, you could even you could even do it where like an entire arc of the Laura story is the two Lauras figuring their shit out yeah. together. You know, uh, oh, I would I would love to see them forced after their kind of poorly written confrontation under Dugan, like having uh, they're forced to do a mission just the two of them, and that leads to them working their shit out. Yeah, absolutely. I just. I think it's the best way to do it. It makes a lot of people happy. We don't need to keep, you know, putzing around with all of these half-assed attempts to include everybody. Yeah. So, the big question. Yeah. Are going to keep going with this, or can we punt it to around the Marvel Universe for the rest of it? Well, okay. We could, we could put it in around the marvel universe for a probationary period right because yeah. i know you're gonna keep reading it because it's your girl yeah and i'll keep reading it so that we can stay up to date on it but we're not committing to like long analysis of it until it gets good enough for a long analysis well and it's only a mini so yeah. we don't have to worry about like <laughs> oh no the second arc's really good but we didn't give context to the first arc so yeah. i like that idea uh do you want to hear the sad? Like, hit me. <laughs> so, I was very excited at her getting a solo book, and I have a pretty strict rule. I don't, I don't buy a lot of physical singles anymore. Oh. Uh, and I have a a rule I mostly stick to of no more than one. Like, I've, I've, oh, there's multiple no. covers I like. I'm only getting one copy. I bought three copies of this book. I'm getting three oh, different no. co covers of the first issue of this. So I'm very, very sad that I'm going to have three copies of this kind of bad book. But they're all really cool looking covers. So At least they're cool covers, right? Like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's rough. All right. All right. All right.
Great to talk about the last Laura-focused issue of the week. Yes. X-Men number 20, written by Jerry Jugan and drawn by Stefano Caselli. After a data page where Scott Summer advocates for the genocide of the brood, yes, he literally talks about how they're the one exception to the all-genocide-is-bad rule, which... Uh, Gene and Magic visit Brew on Krakoa and ask why he doesn't have control of Brood. He argues he does, and he proves it by having some of them dance to the Thriller dance. Uh, meanwhile, Talon, Sink, and Iceman are busy escaping the Brood after saving Corsair last issue. Iceman saves the day again, and then reveals he was able to board the ship just by getting a, fra a tiny fraction of his icy body on board. As they're flying away, they wish Forge was with him, but then we cut to he and Monet uh, on Nowhere, where we get... There's one page of them in this issue where they've apparently solved the body swap problem off panel. So, like, sure. <laughs> Gene investigates Brew's mind where they find out that Nightmare is controlling the brood in Brew's sleep and that his master plan is to have the X Men deliver infected refugees to new planets to infect, which conveniently they're already doing. In a non sequitur final panel reveal, we see the Kingpin arrive on Krakoa with his wife, Typhoid Mary claiming Krakoan citizenship through marriage. It has been probably uh, said I'm a Dugan defender to an extent. Like, uh, I, I like to say, oh, the guy gets the sci-fi of it. Like, I understand the complaints, but overall I enjoy him. And I believe you're kind of in the same boat, right? I am. I am in the same boat. I think that the things that he does well, he does very well. And I, I quite enjoyed his uh, Devil's Rain tie-in, which we will get to in a moment. Mm -hmm. That said, he needs to get off his book now. <laughs> yeah. I am I am so not okay with multiple things happening right now, but the biggest is he literally opens the book with pro-genocide Scott Summers. Yeah. How? That's... How do you go there? I don't I don't I don't know how that happens. And to be clear, we also get pro-genocide Bobby Drake. So we have two of the original X-Men, the biggest metaphor in comics for, like, not even metaphor, but, like, two of the biggest genocide-is-bad, like, symbols in comics. Uh, and they both agree I, the one exception is the, the alien bugs because they can be mind-controlled. So because they can be victims, let's victimize them more. Yeah, I mean, it's like... I guess, like, if you're trying to drive home the idea of how bad the brood is, like, I get that that's what you're trying to do, but I I don't think that this is the way to do it. I just, you know, the whole the whole tone, this whole issue was kind of weird to me. It feels like it's being forced to speed up, right? We've seen in a few books, and maybe it goes back to the setting up Fall of X thing we were talking about where other books are in a holding pattern. Maybe all yeah. the rest of these books are being told, hey, you need to wrap it up. But yeah, there's some weird vibes in here. It seems tonally to be really unsure what it wants to be. Like we got a whole, we got a full page of magic reacting to the brood doing thriller. Yeah. And then we got the subplot that seemed like the most interesting subplot the forge and monet trapped in the other universe where nowhere is that's probably going to be connected to the brood thing got relegated to a single page where we just got told about a cool thing that happened we didn't actually get to see it yeah like, and as an intense fan of forge i would have liked to have seen him flex his mental muscle there well like dugan is an old season pro comic writer at this point 
That's like the number one rule of comic books is you show, you don't tell. Yeah. Why did we need a page of them being like, man, that was cool how you fixed it. Yeah, I sure <laughs> fixed it, right? All right. We'll see you guys next issue. But that page was so weird. It was such a choice. Such a choice. I mean, I was, I thought the whole, the whole thriller bugs shit was really weird. I was kind of like, what, what are we doing here, guys? Well, I get that Krakoan fans probably aren't super familiar with Brew, but it also seems like they spent a long time just recapping the events of Wolverine and the X-Men, like, to establish how Brew became, like, the overseer of the Brood. Which is yeah. fine, except for anyone who has read that before, it was a waste of like six pages because... And Especially when it can be done with a data page. Yeah, could have been done in a single data page, exactly. Like even, even for non-fans that needed that information, there were more efficient ways to give us that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason to waste multiple pages on basic uh, exposition when data pages are a thing now. Like, it's just, yeah. there's no point. Absolutely. I think that as much as Jonathan Hickman has written some amazing stories in Marvel and his creator-owned work, his biggest contribution to me will always be normalizing those data pages. Oh, absolutely. That completely changed comic books to me. Yep. Um, I Honestly, I, I do want to say good things about this issue. I really liked that end with Kingpin. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was, like, about okay. That I was saving that for last. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah, we can. That set of <laughs> no, no. We can go there. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say about like the, the middle of the issue, which was something nice for all of my talk about him not getting characterizations, this was the first issue where I really liked Talon and Sink. Uh, yes. Hugan's tutelage. Like, he's now been on Twitter talking about how they have like some real bad times ahead of them so i'm really worried they're literally just gonna get rid of other laura and go back to a single laura uh, right after finally kind of defending talent's existence i loved the scenes of them talking about like oh yeah we've had thousands of years of practice it was really sweet I, yeah i like that i i liked that too i thought that was well done all right uh yes so I love that we're finally getting some follow-up to Devil's Reign uh, X-Men, the miniseries mm-hmm. that Dugan wrote, which was some of the best X-Men stuff Dugan has written. Uh, it's going to be really fun to see him write Emma versus uh, Kingpin. Assuming he goes there, she's not actually a part of the cast of the book, so I'm not sure that like it's going to be super involved with her, but clearly she's reacting. That was in that scene. Uh, but also, also, also... Uh, it was a nice throwback to X Factor because that's where kind of the you citizenship via marriage was established. That that was a yeah. thing. I just uh, that that moment, I was just like, okay, we're doing something really interesting here. Considering Beast's stance on mutant refugees, though, mm-hmm. would they really just have open doors for him? I feel like like well, he would definitely be relegated to. Mutant refugees or not, I know Beast loves one thing, and that's being a giant piece of shit. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. The giantest, most piece of shit in the kingpin. I mean, <laughs> you ready for a meta theory? Oh, I'm ready for it. All right. So this week uh, was announced that Chip Zdarsky is finishing his run on Daredevil. I think yes. August was the last issue of it. Yes, much to your dismay. I am really sad because it's been really good. Zdarsky's been on the book forever now. It's it's going to be, I think, 50 issues total by the time he's done. 
that is a very solid run, and he gets to wrap it up the way he wants to wrap it up. So I'm happy about that. But my theory, my theory is because we've been talking about how it seems like uh, Dugan is leaving X-Men, uh, I, I think this is a prologue of sorts to him taking over Daredevil. Hmm. And I'm curious how excited or not excited you would be to check out a Jerry Dugan Daredevil book. Well, well, I think we have both said that Dugan is very good at his sci-fi and very not so good at uh, character moments. So Daredevil (laughs) is... A little light on the sci-fi and a little heavy yeah. on the character moments when it's at its best. Here's the argument I would make that I actually would be really excited for it. My favorite Daredevil run of all time is the Mark Wade because mm-hmm. after 20 years of darker, 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 it was the it was still a dark story it told, but it was the like bring some light levity, bring some some yeah. light back to the character. I think after Soul and Duke, or, uh, Soul, Charles Soul and Chip Zdarsky told pretty dark stories. Although Zdarsky has some some brevity to his his run, it would be really interesting to see a fully swashbuckling, fully sci-fi uh, Dugan writing Matt Murdock as like a crusader through the stars or something for a run. It would be interesting to see them pull away from, and then you know they would immediately do like a back to basics run after Dugan's run. Right. It would be pretty interesting to see. I, Who knows? It hasn't even been announced yet, so we don't need to speculate. But it just seems odd to me that mid-crossover with Captain Marvel, right in the middle of the brood thing, they would do such a non-sequitur of being like, oh yeah, here's uh, Kingpin showing up to Krakoa. Makes, right. makes me really, really assume that it's got some connection to the long, to the, to the larger Dugan like Marvel tenure and interesting. I, I just, the timing, the timing makes me think there's a really good chance. He's next, the next writer. That'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, I'll pick it up and I'll read it. Uh, I'll read the first issue at the very least, you know, yeah. uh, we'll see where it goes. Absolutely. All right. Lethal Legion, lethal Legion, new mutants, lethal Legion. Number one, written by Charlie Jane Andrews and drawn by Indy Balam. In Boxton, Florida, which I looked is not a real place, in Boxton, Florida, the New Mutants are attacking a human facility with Escapade leading the charge and narrating a recap of the last arc of the main New Mutants series. This is definitely a direct continuation of that story, with them using the list of human bases they uh, recovered to slowly wipe them out. They managed to save some captives, and things seem to be going well, but there's a clear tension between Escapade and Cerebella. Uh, remember... Escapade refused to help Cerebella when she was like, just kill me so I'm not tortured again. Uh, Escapade wanted to keep her hands clean. After, Wolfsbane visits Morgan Red, who is desperately trying to get Escapade to text him back. She fails to convince him to come back to Krakoa, so they decide to go shopping. Shopping. Uh, Escapade takes a plan to Cerebella to help her resume her mission of stealing from the rich to give to the poor, and they set off. Old school Avengers villain Count Nefaria is seen torturing and killing a captive before we see the New Mutants crew decide, let's rob that guy. Uh, Wolfsbane and Morgan are in the sewers hunting for some organic tech when they're attacked by a giant lizard monster. 
Count Nefaria recruits a new Lethal Legion with some like bluntly honest flyers he hangs up. Debate's trio decides to pose as Lethal Legion volunteers to get into the mansion. Wolfsbane and Morgan discover a lab while Escapade works on her supervillain disguise with Scout, and they take on the mantles of uh, Blaster Dame and Fisticus. And surely nothing will go wrong. Nothing at all. I like the art. <laughs> yeah, the art is the. F- it's 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 the first time in a long time that I've enjoyed the new mutants art. Yeah, I feel like it was definitely an upgrade. Yeah. So I like Charles J. Anders. Mm-hmm. It's very very fun, very like lighthearted, but also deals with a lot of the like the core issues that the X Men should be about right now. You know, uh, trans rights and trans identity and just identity in general, uh, gender fluidity. Like that that seems to be like the core crux of kind of mo with the series which is great and i love uh that said there's no justification for this being a new series no like this not only isn't a first issue but it's like in the same same story arc like as as the last story there's not a clear enough break here i don't understand why they would end a book 33 issues in for to for a five issue mini i i assume it's to up sales they thought oh will sell more but i don't know why anyone would jump in here without the context of the previous story yeah i just i it really seems like the most illogical move to do it this way because you're not going to get that many new people the new people that you do get are going to be confused enough that they might drop it i don't see any i i liked this issue but yeah. I did not like it enough that if it was the first of this story that I've read, that I'd go back and reread and read the last. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. No, I don't it, follow exactly what you're saying. It would not interest me enough to go back and pick up the old stuff to know what's going on. I'd just be like, oh, I don't get it. I'm done. I'm just going to drop it after this. Hundred percent. That is exactly the vibe. That doesn't make sense to me. As for like the actual story arc. Mm-hmm. I think Morgan is totally justified to be uh, both suspicious or unwanting to go to Krakoa. This isn't the best representation of it in the line right now, but it's I'm loving the running theme right now of basically Krakoan shade that we're we're getting a lot more characters that are pushing back on the idea and and pointing out the flaws in the current structure of it. Yes, uh, I assume it's a slow build to fall of X or whatever that looks like. I'm here for it. It's very interesting. It's very soap opera-y. It's, uh, they all make really good points, even if they don't like all, they're not all in agreement with each other, but they're all pointing out very real criticisms about the island. Yeah. With the yeah. caveat, with, with the caveat, caveat that I don't, I'm not rooting for them to get their way and for Corvella to end. Like, I want to be clear. I, I I'm hoping this leads to a better Krakoa, not no Krakoa. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the idea of Krakoa far too much to be willing to let it go in any way. Um, and the fact that Krakoa is shady is part of what makes it so interesting right now. Oh, completely, an actual like, utopia would be boring AF. <laughs> yeah, no one wants a utopia, not really, because it, everyone gets complacent. Yep. Um. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I never want the crew on end. But exactly the thing is, is like all of their concerns is what makes it so interesting to me. 100%. It was a fine issue. I'm glad the art is better. 
it did not a ton else for me. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think the fact that it had to spend all that time as a new number one, recapping what we had just read, made it less impactful. New Mutants is supposed to be about the teenagers and the, the, the new class and face the social issues of today. And so I, I do love that Anders' version is a lot of either brand new characters or at least younger characters and following their actual like social dynamics. The fact that they're all pairing up and being like, hey, let's go. Like, oh, and then they're gossiping about each other. Like, I like the direction it's headed. That said, yeah. there wasn't a lot of meat and potatoes to this issue. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to go around the Marvel Universe? Yes. All right, a little bit out of order. This week, Scarlet Witch 3 came out. It was a Polaris issue. So it was kind of the most X-Men tied yet. Uh, that said, it was really just a, a simple, like, stepsisters or adopted sisters going on an adventure together story. So it wasn't, like, super important. It was definitely the most enjoyable main story. I still like the Storm back up better. Mm -hmm. uh, there is still nothing in here that we need to, to make this something we read every month. But yeah. It was a nice little story. I want to compliment it. Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, number 10. It came out last week, but... So, have you been reading this book at all? Um, I started out reading it, and I fell off at a certain point, but I've been oh, meaning to get back into it. So, mild... It's hard to even do much. This is going to kind of spoil the, the, like, okay. where they're at right now. So, well, also a warning to listeners. Skip forward uh, two minutes or whatever. Uh, so... A version of Modoc has them all trapped in like a mind prison. So we're seeing each one's sort of facing something from their past. And this newish character redacted, which is uh, basically one of the soldiers of the new uh, sort of Illuminati group that's revealed to have been orchestrating world events since World War II as part of a big game. Uh, and they had this soldier redacted that was trying to kill Steve Rogers and the end of the first arc was basically him, uh, Steve, convincing him to switch sides. But when we see in his mind prison, uh, he clearly was somehow uh, heart brood. Like whether it was like a genetic thing, manipulation, we don't know. But it was clearly the brood, which was super like random, only shown visually. And, like, and they never name it on the page. Somehow, that's probably going to come up someday. Yeah. And uh, we know that the Captain America, like the two Captain America books are doing their crossover this summer. So maybe it's like the next story after that's going to be an X-Men crossover. At some point, Sentinel of Liberty is going to have to be tied in with the X-Men to deal with the brood thing. So that was kind of a neat random addition. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think that's it for Around the Marvel Universe. So. I think so, too. Next week. Next week. Moral X-Men, number two. Very excited for it. Bishop War College, number two. Less excited, still excited. Wolverine 31, because we can't go a week without talking about Benjamin Percy. Uh, Captain Marvel 47, which might be around, might be actually talked about, because it does have a full X-Men team in it. So we'll, we'll, we'll read it first and let you know. And then the excellent number one is coming back. Oh. So, did you ever read Ecstatics back while ago yeah okay and then did you read last year's volume of the excellent i i started it okay so for for context what the excellent is is a follow-up to ecstatics which was uh basically the peter milligan and mike allred's 
early 2000s. Uh, did it start? Was it X Factor? It started as one of the other X books. It might have been X Factor and then spun off of it as it was basically, it was a commentary on reality TV. So yeah. they were they were the version of the, the team that was way more worried about being caught on camera and being famous. And it was a very, very fun book. I, I'll, t- I'll read anything with all red art. So, uh, and then the excellent one came out last year and basically uh, it was corporate commentary stuff. Like the ecstatics team was, was th- the name was bought and licensed. It was a different team now. And so some of the original crew became excellent. We're trying to compete with them and, I don't really remember how the first volume ended. I'll have to reread it before I read this new one, but I assume this is follow up on that. Uh, it was originally billed before as an ongoing and then was only like five or six issues long. So I'm guessing this is more or less what the second arc was originally planned to be. We'll see, uh, but we'll talk about it. It might end up the rest of it being around the Marvel universe. I don't know. I don't know how involved we'll be with it, but we are definitely going to read it and I'm going to get it for the all red art because I love anything that guy draws. Fair enough. Uh, we're going to be back to our normal schedule. We finally, yeah. I mean, you can hear, I somehow, two weeks later, I'm still a little sick, but we're getting there. We're getting healthy. We love doing this show. We are sorry that we missed a week. We were so proud of hitting every week. but We were we were so determined to make it a year without missing anything. Yeah. We were so close. Reset the clock. We'll make it. Well, <laughs> we'll probably reset the clock after my kids are born. But yes. we, we will at some point have an unbroken streak. And we're going to figure out some bonus stuff to do for you to make up for it. Maybe not this week, but we will get some bonus episodes out in the next few weeks to make up for it. Uh, but I think that'll do it for us. Yeah. After plenty of peer pressure, we have that Discord server. It has been off the quiet with all the illness, but it is a really fun place to catch up, to chat with us. Keegan doesn't really know this, but I, I had a really fun plan for what this episode was going to be. And I recruited a bunch of people from the Discord and I had to let them all down unfortunately when it didn't come to fruition but if you get into the discord is the easiest way for us to get you involved on the show we love getting new voices on here with us it's true uh best way you can help us beyond that though is to make sure you like us review us everywhere please review us on spotify i haven't looked lately but i would love to have some reviews on there so that we uh we don't have that that embarrassing notification of you're among the first to review Uh, and if nothing else oh and if you listen to us on spotify apparently the best way to to get ahead on their algorithm is to answer the poll question and answer the like regular like there's like a question and a poll on there that i'm putting on every episode now and like getting answers to those especially by people that actually listen to it i guess if you just click in and answer them it doesn't help as much so listen to the show on spotify and answer those things can really help us out getting uh, our names out there to people I'm that nerdy Papa Bear on all the socials. Keegan is a bulk ranger. Until next time, don't get sick. <laughs>